Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. We are finishing up season three today. It's crazy. Ha- over halfway done with the episodes number- numbered aired and yeah. halfway done with the uh, w- with the seasons that have aired. And I guess like it's probably going to end up being about halfway done with the whole thing because of the yeah. shortened last few seasons yeah yeah because technically like the length is giving them like a full sixth season correct because they only had like, pretty pretty much episodes. it was like yeah yeah um it might have been a long longer minute it might have been 12 but e- either way they were like basically half length seasons. yeah yeah um we're gonna do this episode as a t- well we're doing the two-parter as one episode so this is going to be episode 21 and 22 um in case i don't know you're listening along and you haven't watched episode 22 for some reason um you should do that <laughs> before you well, listen to this and <laughs> i as i have discovered from talking to people there are people i know who listen who have never watched any of it which yeah. i think is amazing and awesome and, yeah but, but at the same time it's like so none of it really matters like, yeah what, that's true we spoilers in. we could do it we could do spoilers first yeah <laughs> <laughs> guess who dies no. oh my God. yeah I, I have a couple friends who listen who are like i have no idea like what you guys are talking about but you guys have fun so it's fun to listen to i'm like all right yeah no, same, same thing and i've been like like i've i've had a little bit of like back and forth with friend the friend like telling me what they're thinking about well you know as they're going through and i, I forget what mo- what the most recent exchange was but it's very funny to hear people who have no frame of reference. Like my favorite one was uh, when a friend thought that the bus was a real bus until like (laughs) partway through season two. It was like, oh, okay. I guess like you wouldn't know that unless you watch the show, but I just- We don't really explain it. Like like, like we do a little bit, but we don't go into it, I guess, more than maybe the first time we talk about it, what it really is, I think. Yeah. I, and they just call it the bus, like right off. They, there's no explanation of because there doesn't have a name, right? It's I don't. Yeah, called, I don't like, think they Zephyr or something. It's called the bus. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> and, and, and the other one, uh, the same friend mentioned um, Baron Zemo, and when uh, I think maybe when we did our Civil War uh, thing, and uh, I talked about how in Heroes Reborn in the comic books uh, when they reset continuity briefly and whatnot. Uh, their Baron Zemo looked like Grimace from McDonald's, and uh, and they ended up looking it up uh, and, and like seeing like, oh no, that's accurate, which is just, makes me so happy. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Rob Liefeld is an awful human being, but he gave us Deadpool, which other people made into some someone that's entertaining. Yeah, and uh, he gave us uh, Baron Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> Baron Grimace. <laughs> Oh man, there's some great nicknames going on in this show. I actually did get to use Iron Chef one more time because I forgot his name <laughs> when I was watching this, and then I was like, okay, I should use his actual name and be respectful. <laughs> poor, poor Iron Chef. I know. The anyway, <laughs> I know the chairman. <laughs> I love that they have like. Is he even persona? Japanese? No, I think he's. I, I believe he's part native and part uh, like Filipino. Filipino. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe he's mixed heritage. But I don't think that includes Japanese. That's really weird. <laughs> I, I think oh, I'm trying to think of who he, uh, who what he played in Pack de Lupus. I think he was Native American. I guess technically, like if he's Filipino, he could have 
Japanese heritage. Yeah, or common ancestry. No, that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good point. Because the you know the war and uh, wait imperialism. Yeah, yeah. imperialism <laughs> is what it is. And it's yeah. not. We, I, I think like being that. American, we we think of it in terms of uh, we center whiteness even with bad bad things. Yeah, <laughs> like which. In a way, it's deserved, but at the same time, it's like we we should remember that. Oh no, other cultures have been imperialists oh, yeah. as well, and some of them are still really good at. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yay, yay, Japan. It's my people. Anyway, <laughs> before we get started, um, oh, but speaking of, I'm going to plug something really quick because I found it very fascinating, and it's very like not like me to like want to listen to like a history podcast by a white dude especially when he's talking about asia but um hardcore history by what is his name something carlin dan carlin um he has a series that's like three three four and a half hour long episodes about japan and like pre-war japan all the way up to like post-war and like the dudes that were still in the south pacific that like didn't believe that the japanese empire had fallen were still like killing people in the islands <laughs> like goes through all of that i mean it's it's super long it's definitely a commitment but it's super interesting and he also has one on like persia um that i'm gonna start listening to soon and that's another it's like three episodes they're all five and a half hours long something like that so if you're interested in the history of Japan, definitely go listen to those. And if you have time on your hands, <laughs> oh, it sounds it sounds like a good, like a good, uh, worth, worthwhile uh, listen. Or I was yeah. going to say commitment, but you already said that. But it's like, yeah, it's. I, 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 didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't mean it in a negative way. You know, I, don't know. I, I like listening to podcasts, and I find a lot of people do. Like, it's just something you can do when you're in transit, whether you're driving or, or taking, you know, mass transit or walking. Like, it's just something that people yeah. like. I, I find that. You know, we've all got these supercomputers in our uh, pockets connecting us to every yeah. piece of information ever. And we've gotten used to never not being plugged in. Yeah, <laughs> so podcast. Let, let that, even when we're like doing something else, we can still yeah. be passively plugged in. When is- I cook and clean and like do dishes and stuff, I listen to podcasts too. It's Every like- once in a while <laughs> I think about how, oh, wait, our brains aren't designed to do this like like, like, i don't other than having that thought it doesn't really change anything i don't stop i'm like ooh, move on from comedy podcast to science podcast back to another comedy podcast oh to one about our cartoon i like whatever it's like (laughs) he's like i'll change it up like instead of of, like constantly consuming information yeah actually my therapist told me like a long time ago she's like you need to take breaks between listening to audiobooks and podcasts like you need to listen to music too because music is not the same as like taking in like verbal information It, it activates a different part of your brain um, to like let it rest a little bit or just have silence. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Cause she's like, sometimes like, especially if you feel like really burnt out and like, it's like hard for you to concentrate, just like take a break from like the radio podcast, stuff like that, reading anything that's like consuming information and just listen to music. And I was like, oh, good, good piece time. of advice for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's here and it's available. And I think I, I definitely have that, like, you know, like, you know, at one point I'm going to die and I'm not going to get to learn all of these things. Like there is a limit to how much I can know and how much I can learn as a being. So it's like part of me is like, I must consume as much as I can while I'm still here. No, I, I think there's something valid to that too. It's like, we might as well, 
there, yeah, like, like, like there's the cynical part of what I said that's true. It's like, oh, we have, we have access to all this stuff and it, and it makes it to where we're constantly being inundated with information. But it's also we have access to everything that's ever been made pretty much at our fingertips all the time, instantly. It's like, that's amazing. Why aren't we all reading everything that's ever been written and listening to stuff? Like, 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 like not to say we shouldn't be making new stuff now. We absolutely should. But it's like we should we definitely also shouldn't be just reading and watching and listening to what's being made right now because we have access to more cultures and more history than we ever have before and that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. yeah it is really cool yeah give your brain a break every once in a while um but you should listen to this podcast (laughs) keep that in your rotation All right. I, I'm, we... A psychiatrist's agree. Do not take a break from our podcast. <laughs> Project Tahiti should always be in the, in circulation. <laughs> we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Speaking of other podcasts, but listen to ours first. Um, you should check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, But Why Though Podcast.com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. <laughs> this is season three episode 21 and 22 uh the first one is titled absolution the second one is titled ascension uh absolution was written by chris dingus i have never seen his name and he didn't have a link in wikipedia so i is know it, nothing about is him it dingus or is it dingus <laughs> me i don't know dingus sounds funnier to me so that's what I'm it definitely does. And Drew Z. Greenberg. Um, and then this one was directed by Billy Gerhart. Um, and then Ascension was written by Jed Whedon and directed by Kevin Tantron, which makes sense. There's a lot of like action scenes in that episode that I was like, oh, yeah, I could see that. Um, and they both aired May 17th, 2016. Um, if you forgot from last episode, uh, Hive has a line when he's talking to Daisy about like how her friends from S.H.I.E.L.D. keep coming and like, you know, he's not going to tolerate it anymore. And he says there will be no absolution. Um, so they are going to die. Um, so that being the title of this episode is very interesting. Um, and we start out in a dream sequence on Maveth and the containment module containment. Well, what we think is Maveth. Uh, the containment module is like chilling on the surface and Daisy and Coulson are in there and she's working on some wiring. Coulson looks very ill and he's like, you know, we're the last ones left. And she's like, I can fix this and then we can fly back to Earth. And he's like, Daisy, this is Earth. And then she wakes up. <laughs> also, like I know that thing can like propel itself a little bit, but I don't think it could take them back to her. No, I don't know either. Like and it, like wherever Maveth is, like we don't know. You know, it's how like long it's got to be pretty together. far. It's yeah, not a new solar be, system. They would be dead by the time the thing got there if the thing didn't break down by the time it got back yeah, to It's Earth. like in 3000 years we'll be back on Earth. Yeah, we don't have light speed or like jumping capability yet even if it is Marvel. At least I don't think so. Yeah, not in the <laughs> containment. Wait, not in the containment vessel if they do. Well, they're just now getting like the Zephyr and the Quinjet to be space ready or like high altitude ready. So it definitely is not a possibility for this containment module. Um, but yeah, yeah I kind of wish you would have said that. It's like, Daisy, this is an Earth, and that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is in fact a dream, and she's actually in the containment rooms on base. And she's sad because she hurt all of her friends. So um, she's hanging out in there because they're quarantining her for security purposes, whatever. Anyway, Yo-Yo, Mac, and Lincoln are in the um, 
the cargo bay of a Quinjet and it's very shaky and dark and, you know, they're obviously going through turbulence and Yo-Yo and Lincoln have murder vests on and <laughs> Mac has the kill switch and May is flying the Quinjet and um, Mac's like, are we doing okay? And May's like, yeah, it wasn't really designed for this. And um I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, I didn't remember this. So anyway, but we'll get back to it in a second. Um, Gemma comes to see Daisy and she's very like short and kind of perfunctory. She's like, I'm only here to give you updates on what's happening. And Daisy's like, why do they always send you? Um, it's because you're the only one I didn't hurt personally. And she's like, obviously taking this very, very difficult situation personally. <laughs> like, uh, And everyone's kind of like, I don't know how to react to her um apparently they've located a missile silo in the u.s and i'm assuming this is in like hawaii or guam somewhere it looks very tropical and like i don't know it's an island um and apparently the staff has gone silent and hive is already there um and they have set up so that i called it radar but i know that's not what it is it's like more high tech than radar <laughs> basically if anything comes uh even if it's cloaked even comes within you know a certain distance of the island, they'll see them so they, they'll know if S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming. So the Quinjet comes up out of the freaking ocean so they don't come up on their scans and they land on the island and no one is, everyone is none the wiser. So that's why May, which I don't understand this at all. Like you need, is it, don't like engines need like air intake and shit like that. Like they can't just like go underwater. Like, this is not. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not real anything. I, I, I feel like it's got to be, uh, you know, sci-fi. This, this is no. bonkers. <laughs> but it was very cool. Like another like another cool shot of one of their ships, like doing something crazy once again. Um, but yeah, I was like, wait a minute. This is, this, there's no propellers on that. Um, anyway, so they need the launch codes to deactivate them from launching the the warhead into space or into the upper atmosphere. And so Talbot is in Coulson's office and Fitz is kind of like off camera and he Talbot's talking to someone at the DOD to figure out like, what can I do? Like how to go around this red tape. And the guy's like, you know, you can't like, and then he, he basically spells out exactly where the codes are. He's like, they're not even here. Like they're at this place and you have to get, you know, undersecretary, undersecretary so-and-so to like, you know, you know, get the codes to you or whatever. And um, so Coulson is already on his way over to this location. And um, May's team is at the location to get uh, an uplink going so that they can transmit the codes and like deactivate this whole situation. Um, so Fitz has been, was recording the dude at the DOD. His name's General Andaz, I guess. Um, he was recording him to like get his like voice and his face because now he has mocap gear on and he's pretending to be General Andaz. And he's this scene where he's like standing next to Talbot and he's just like, you know, he's doing his like whole actor like warm up thing where he's like screaming and like making weird faces and weird monkey noises and stuff. Yeah, it was it was very much like in e either a serious actor like who's like method like yeah, uh, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis or like uh comedy improv troupe but, but like and i feel like because I, I believe i mentioned before on the show a couple times that uh all my friends in college were theater majors like almost yeah. exclusively and so i knew both those types of people and i've yeah. seen both of them do it yep. when he did the monkey noises i couldn't help but think of our ongoing uh, our love of his ongoing uh fascination and obsession with i know monkeys, both in in and out of uh universe 
It's so funny. But yeah, so they call Undersecretary Thomas and they're like, oh, we need the coats, blah, blah, blah. And um, <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous. He just he's like, OK. And so they're like, oh, our ATCU agent is on their way to pick it up. Like he has, you know, documents, and blah, blah, blah. And this whole thing is ridiculous. Like this would never happen. Um, so Colson goes and he retrieves the codes and then he leaves and it's all fine. <laughs> um. May's team establishes an uplink and they're like, okay, Colson, ready? We're ready. Uplink is is up. And Colson like opens the briefcase and he's like, oh wow, it's really long. And they only have 20 seconds to plug it in. And so he's just like spouting off like radio, like um radio. I don't know how to how do you say this? Like radio spelling? I don't know. Like oh is that what it's I, called? No, uh I know you know, I know what you're talking about. I mean they're call signs, but there yeah, is some but it's like so basically how you like spell things over the radio or like how you give like um it's like alphanumeric something right yeah no it is alphanumeric sorry alphanumeric code mm. no that is not it <laughs> whatever military uh, jargon yeah he's like spouting off the code or the, the um the launch code to fitz and he's typing it in and um Gemma is still talking to daisy and she's like you don't understand like you guys can't stop him he's unstoppable like he thinks he's the savior <laughs> and so they 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 are successful the codes override everything and it stops the launch and fitz tries to high five talbot in his mocap gear and talbot doesn't high five him back <laughs> he's just like oh okay um and hive is pissed and he's like you you fix this and he's putting it radcliffe and radcliffe's like uh i'm not a nuclear physicist or an engineer and he's like oh i've you know your your use has has come to an end and radcliffe's like okay i'll fix it it's fine um and he runs off <laughs> which i'm very glad that he's acknowledging like the whole thing the gripe that we have about the scientists like not everyone just can do everything like people have specialties <laughs> like yes tony stark being able to do literally anything it's yeah. like which they lampshade a little bit like 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 they don't actually solve it or acknowledge it like they do here in shield but they like make a winking like nod to the fact that they do that at one point i yeah, feel like yeah. uh not in, in not in um in what do you call it? Endgame, but in the first avengers i think because at one point like when they're on the Kel helicare i don't remember what it was it's, it's some conversation either with shield agents and like, maria hill or with uh with uh, Bruce Banner later on but he's basically like oh no i read a i read a, a book last night or whatever it's yeah. like Shut up. Like, that's yeah, not how it that's... works. Stephen Hawking like doesn't walk in and be like, hey. He does brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, advanced neurobiologist. I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I read a book last night. Uh, yeah, it's like, I'm the most famous smart person for my field. I can do anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. It's so. Like these, yeah, obnoxious. it's like these people are supposed to be really smart because they have, you know, they cast them really young. But it's like, still, that's like 10, 12 years of education <laughs> alone just to get to a point where you can like go into a field to eventually be, be considered an expert <laughs> like it's 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 madness anyway hive is pissed he's super mad he's like i'm going to show shield something they haven't seen for me yet rage <laughs> um 
I really like Brett Dalton's acting in this. He like really sells the like crazy ancient alien, such you know, inhuman thing. Um, he he's very much not Grant Ward anymore. Like he's very much like something else. And I think we've seen that in the past, like maybe like what six seven episodes, especially or I mean this whole season essentially. But I think it's really showing now because he doesn't have that like stupid like arrogant like swagger that that ward has like he's just like down to business at this point um so may's team is watching um on surveillance like what's happening and they're like oh shit like we gotta go um and so uh you know lincoln brings up you know lash slash andrew and he's like well at least we know he didn't die in vain and may's like are you trying to make us feel better and he's like well yeah and he's like don't or she's like don't (laughs) She's like not having it. Um, and then Lincoln sees a camera and he realizes that they know where that uh, Hive and and crew know where they are. Um, and it's really cute because May and Lincoln are like kind of talking like before they separate. Um, she's going to go secure the warhead and Lincoln. I don't know what Lincoln's going to go do, but he's going to go do something. Um, and they kind of have this little moment like good luck. And they just like pause and it kind of shows like the the growth of their relationship throughout this season because they went from like hating each other um to really hating each other to like tolerating each other now it seems like they have like rapport finally and then lincoln's gonna die (laughs) spoiler alert Um, (laughs) he's the one thank god although they man they don't really give it away like early on this uh in either of these episodes like they keep it going which we talked about in the previous episode i think about like the the hints with the with with the crucifix yeah they keep that going yeah (laughs) come on man like i feel like they should have done that since they first planted the seed yeah (laughs) like someone new is wearing it every episode yeah, like like it, it, that would have been better every other episode than like, but but doing it all like in the last ten minutes, it feels like of a movie. It's mm-hmm. like like no, we'll, we'll 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 have one character have this the whole time, and then we'll all play a handoff. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely like ups the um like suspense though for sure. Because I remember watching this for the first time and just being like, oh no, like you just don't know who's gonna get it at the end. And then Lincoln kind of gets it in a bullshit way, but whatever, just because he already knows the future because of what Daisy said. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, Mac and Yo-Yo are working on something in a hallway, and Yo-Yo is super frustrated with Mac. She's like, she calls his speed turtle speed, and then <laughs> and she's like, you're going so slow. You look at something, and then you do something, and then you look, and you stare, and it's taking too long. Um, yeah, because he says, like, not all of us have your super speed. And she's like, yeah. the problem isn't that you don't have super speed, it's that you have turtle speed. And, like, after she <laughs> after she explains it and like it's a valid criticism it feels like his yeah. response is like such like a hurt wounded puppy he's like yeah. turtle speed <laughs> like, he's like he's like but uh, like what and then he makes the argument that like, well, if this doesn't work, everything else is going to go to shit. So we have to make sure this works. But she's like clearly still frustrated. <laughs> I love I love the two of them because like it's stuff like that. It's like not like it's stuff that actually makes sense for their personalities and characters yeah. that, that they have their like little whatever. Uh, not it's not bickering or whatever, but their banter. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and and just a back and forth like like uh, their are friction from their personalities or whatever yeah. that and part just of the situation true <laughs> exacerbated by the situation but i like that but like in their relationship they can have those kind of like not necessarily conflicts but like mo- character moments and whatnot yeah. and differences of attitudes and style and it, it it feels like very very much something that's 
uh, works in like other movies and TV shows and stuff, but it's a, it's, it feels less contrived in this and less like, I'm going to write this to be cute and be like, Oh, it's like an odd couple romantic pairing or whatever. Yeah. Instead, like it just feels very natural and real. Yeah. And part of it's the acting as well, but it just, it, it works really well. And they do just have great chemistry too. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. <laughs> Turtle speed. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I had forgotten this, but she gave him the crucifix last episode at the very end. Correct. Or was it the episode before? I don't remember. Anyway, she gave it to him at some point. We were like, oh, no. Yeah. We were like, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. We would be fine. We're like, <laughs> don't do that. Um, and he tries to give it back. And she gets really pissed. She's like, it's not a lucky rabbit's foot. Like, this is a gift. It's a symbol of faith. Like, how dare you try to give it back? <laughs> she gets so upset. Um, meanwhile, Radcliffe is in the room with the warhead trying to manually launch the missile and he's like talking through it and they have, there's these poor primitives there and he's like, all right, like you guys have to be like some kind of, you know, engineers or something. Right. And he just is talking at them. And then he says, we need the tools to do this. Right. And they, they like at the word tools, they like perk up and they walk away and he's like, oh, they're going to do something. And they go and literally grab like a hammer and a screwdriver. <laughs> And are like excited it's really kind of sad these poor these poor creatures um uh colson goes to daisy inside the module and he you know tells her that step one was successful and now hive is step two and he like you know he kind of stops and it gets ready to leave and he comes back and he tries to reach out and he's like you know like you know we're just doing this as a precaution. Like, I know that you're fine. And she's like, no, I belong in this box. And she's like super like depressed and down on herself. And Colson's like, no, you were brainwashed. Like it's different. Like no one blames you. And she's like, so is Ward. We make the perfect pair. Bleh. I know, but she, uh, I know she's wrong, but that's also a, like a, a good point. Like how, at what it's different. Like Ward's brainwashing was like, very different from this situation where she was literally like taken over by this alien force essentially like wards was a very human brainwashing but still it's like where do you draw the line for like blame and guilt and like responsibility there? there's so much manipulation yeah. and no and it is a good it, it is it sounds like it's not like such a good point where it's like oh this changes everything no yeah. wrong about ward like it's nothing like that but in her moment of guilt it's not as bullshit as we want it to be or as yeah. Colson wants it to be. And that's why he can't he has shut it to say. down. Yeah. That's why he can't be like, no, because <laughs> <laughs> he has to be like, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and his and he tries to reason with her. He's like, look, you're going through withdrawal. Like he is, was essentially like a drug to you. And she's like, no, I deserve this. I deserve to stay in this box forever. I just like and I don't want you to let me out until I can like see him face to face and kill him. And so she's on a revenge uh, revenge journey, as everybody else on this team has been <laughs> at some point in this in this season. Um, and Colson's like, no, don't go down that road. That's why we're here. Like, I, I know where this leads you. And she's like, she asks to be put, I put memory machine in the notes. She has to be put in the memory machine because there it was in a previous, <laughs> a previous scene, like we saw part of it. And she's like, I know you pulled it out. Um, just use it on me. Um, you know, get my memories to the surface. And he's like, well, we did pull it out, but it's not for you. 
And then we never address this again in the two episodes. The memory machine never comes back. So I was confused. Like, did they mean to put to take it somewhere else? Or is that coming back at another point? I don't know. <laughs> I, huh. <laughs> it just they just never came back to it. Um, did they intend to use it on Hive, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it was very strange. <laughs> we just never came back to it. Um I know. It makes <laughs> me sad when that happens. This show is really good about not leaving loose ends like that. So when this does happen, it's like, whoa. Like when they drew attention to it, like so I feel like there's no way that it's actually over. Like I feel like that was a seed planting more than anything, but it, it it does stand out that they didn't address it in these two episodes. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I don't remember if it comes back next season, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't because Colson's not the director anymore. <laughs> like Pretty sure they would shut that down and not want that to be pulled back out ever again. Um, anyway, um, Hive has gone after Lincoln and he's like kind of chasing him around, you know, this dark hallway. And Hive is like taunting Lincoln. He's he's like, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry about Daisy, but like I had something to offer her that you could never give to her and a true happiness, which is so gross. And he's like obviously trying to get into his head. And for a second, Lincoln pops out and he has electricity going through his hands and then he controls himself and he runs away, which is very good. Good job, Lincoln. Finally, it only took you how long? How many episodes? <laughs> <laughs> over 20, over 21. Because, yeah, great. Um. So Lincoln runs to where Mac and Yo-Yo are in the hallway and he's like, he's coming, he's coming. And Mac tries to get them to leave because he's not finished setting up this machine and they won't leave. And, um, you know, as Hive is walking, Yo-Yo runs and grabs some wires and has Lincoln zap them just as Ward walks into this like contraption that, that Mac has built. And it like fries his brain and it brings up all these memories from his former bodies and... um. Then the rest of the team runs away and uh, he's kind of left there freaking out on the floor. And I, this is where I put Iron Chef in the notes. Guerra and JT show up and Hive is saying these lines from Ward's memory. And he's like, do you, what does he say? Like, do you believe what I'm telling you is the truth? And they're both kind of look at each other like, uh, and Gary's like, yes, we believe you. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like confused. And then he yells Gemma's name. And then they're like, okay, something's going on. Like he's not in his right mind. Um, I just love that moment of them trying to be like true sycophants. And then they're just kind of like, okay, whatever he says is like, you know, is gospel. <laughs> he's like out of his mind. Um, in, in that moment, you, you mentioned like it showed uh, like a flash of like all his old all the people he's taken over and whatnot, but it also showed his first life, like really briefly Ooh. in the top corner, like his, uh, his, uh, whatever ancient prehistory his person, indigenous person. Yeah. Ooh, and, I didn't notice that. But in that moment, did we talk about when we covered that episode? Did we talk about how similar that is to Stargate? No, I don't think so. Because all of a sudden, seeing in that like like in the peripheral of his like vision thing, I was like, "Oh, him being kidnapped was like a lot like when they kidnapped yeah. the the people in Stargate and experimented yeah. on them and turned them into their fake gods or whatever." Yeah, like, yeah, it's interesting. That is interesting. Um, I'll ask you. I have a question, but I'll ask you later. Let me write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I have a phone number of my boss on this piece of paper, so I can't take a picture and post it on Twitter, unfortunately. But 
um, where am I? Anyway, um, Radcliffe is like still in the room. He's kind of teaching the Inhumans about the equipment. He's like, this is called the blah, blah, blah. And then May runs in and she's like, dude, what the fuck did you guys, did you do to these guys? And Radcliffe's like drops to his knees and obviously the Inhumans don't. And May starts to, uh, a third Inhuman comes out of nowhere and knocks May down and then they start fighting and it's, it's great. It's a good combat scene. Um, uh, Yo-Yo is sent off or is going off to get the hostages from the space. Um, and <laughs> Mac has the audacity to tell her to hurry. And she's like, oh, Turtle Man wants me to hurry. And then she says in Spanish, good thing he's good looking. <laughs> like She's so bothered. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's such a stressful situation. And it's just like, I, I, <laughs> they're so cute. I love them. Um, Hive is still in the hallway and he's like really loose. It. and he's like kind of like he he uses this like broken up bunch of like i don't know like um memories in his head to like come to this conclusion that they have to disconnect the warhead and he's like for absolution <laughs> and um and then um uh gara and jt run off they're like okay we'll go disconnect it and um he said he the memory of Gemma and fitz um uh, in the containment module when Ward is going to push them into the ocean pops up and the line that he says to Garrett is you want me to cross them off he says that out loud and then he like starts walking to obviously take care of S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point <laughs> to cross them off it's, it's a very clever like way of I don't know informing his dialogue just like having all these old lines um, from Ward's life and from from what's his name your um, astronaut friend not Mike um, well Mike the, Mike the astronaut <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have Mike first. I like how I remember that his name isn't Mike but I couldn't remember his actual name it's, it's Will right yeah well it's, it's the uh the they was used to say in comics. I, I don't think it was exclusively Marvel. I think DC said it too. But like when they would want to promote a new character they were introducing in like Marvel Fanfare Magazine or DC Spotlight or whatever, they would be like the character find of 1965 or whatever, <laughs> like the, the sensational character find. It's like that's the sensational character find yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of of Marvel TV of 2015 is yep. not Mike the Astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> not mike um so we go back into the room with may and the inhuman radcliffe and may is like having a hard time um but radcliffe shows up and he shoots the, one of the last inhuman and then he's like you're with shield right please take me with you <laughs> he like drops the gun and then may sees that the warhead is being taken away like just being lifted into the air and so she knows it's gear and she's like oh shit we gotta go so everybody's running outside trying to get to the zephyr and, like everybody's just running <laughs> the most absurd thoughts like oh shit the chairman sent his nephew after us after all this other stuff <laughs> we have to go we have to stop him oh my god so like the hostages are running you know may is running like Colson's like, oh, and she's like, we picked up another one. He's coming with us, talking about Radcliffe. And then Hive shows up, and um, Colson's like, go, go, talking to to Lincoln and Yo-Yo. And Yo-Yo pulls out this disc thing and like yo-yos it underneath him, and then a little one of those little um gel matrix box like plops on top of him and then like puts him in stasis. So they've caught they've caught Ward or they caught Hive, yay. And everybody's like celebrating. And then after everybody stops, Radcliffe 
has this like delayed like yay good job guys <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, he's like like yeah i've always been on this team. yeah hoping nobody notices like like shifting his eyes i laughed out loud and i was like i'm so glad he's in this and mm-hmm. it's like he's just a slightly not even more evil but just slightly more like corruptible and like egotistical mm-hmm. and brilliant version of his character in the mummy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just He's... John Hanna, but it's I think it's like the it's it's not even opportunistic as as much as it is like it's similar to it but it's just like it's this it's like baltar like he's just it like is, how it to is, survive it is baltar it's a survival <laughs> technique that's what i was going to say it's totally baltar it's a brilliance that is that exists in multiple areas just like baltar but is epitomized in survival it's like, it's like a fucking human cockroach it's like, it's like 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 it's like he's on the inhuman side or on the hive side like yelling at them and like a like a face off where they're like all of one line like a football you know like scrimmage like screaming at each other like the camera shifts like from one side to the other when the battle uh, when, the, when, the, when the tide turns in battle and he's like on the other side like, like yeah screw those guys whatever it's like basically so like funny. both of their mo's no it's that's yep. great and wait no callus is british not scottish i think i was gonna say are they both scottish no, but they're no. both awesome <laughs> so good yeah oh man i would i want i want james callus to be in shield now <laughs> i like <laughs> I just finished uh, a battle or Battlestar rewatch, and he is so good in that. Like, he is just amazing. Has he been in anything recently? Like, I haven't seen him in anything for a while. I mean, he's been in stuff off and on, but I, I, I don't know. Someone needs to get him like in something. Put him in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm super down. Castlevania is the most recent thing he's voiced his voice which is i mean i could see do using him as a voice actor but still bridget jones yeah eureka um yeah not really that's a long time ago maybe he just like made so much money doing battlestar he's just like set now he doesn't need to worry about working anymore i just imagine him (laughs) doing like the baltar thing just being on a beach like with beautiful Mm -hmm. people and just like enjoying drinks (laughs) oh my god um, so yeah, Talbot's or not Talbot, uh, Radcliffe thinks he's part of the team now, which he is very much not. Um, back on the base, Talbot's congratulating Coulson and he's like, we got to get these inhumans changed back. He says it in very vulgar language that I'm not going to repeat that I didn't type out because <laughs> it's Talbot. Um, and May, she's May pops up with Radcliffe. She's like, well, we have someone who can do it. And Radcliffe's like, they're called primitives. And then he has this line that made me die laughing. And he's looking at Talbot and he's like, I can tell by your mustache that you're a man of importance and not to be <laughs> trifled with. Yeah, no, that I I was dying laughing. I was like, oh my God, your mustache. Um, so Talbot has a very tentative like trust in in Radcliffe that he's going to fix this. Um and it's it's funny because Radcliffe is everybody's like kind of like horrified by this, but he is not he his horror <laughs> he's horrified for a different reason because it's like a reflection of his talents, not because it's like oh we you know experimented on humans and it wasn't great and this is what happened. It's like no that these guys didn't turn out like as advanced as he would have liked them to. So it's like just this whole other level. It's another Baltar situation. <laughs> um. 
And Colson actually praises Lincoln for his performance. He's like, you did a great job. You know, um, I, I would love for you to, to join us and become an agent. And Lincoln's like, no, I don't, I don't think I, you said you ha I have to want it and I don't think I want it. Um, so I think after this, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. And Max kind of like, what are you going to do? And Lincoln's like, I don't know. It's like, dude, you went to med school. Like what, you don't know what you're going to do. Well, I guess he's a fugitive now. So, oh, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do, Lincoln? Um, but <laughs> that's kind of you should have thought about that <laughs> that's kind of the first clue that we get that he's like probably not gonna make it <laughs> he's just like already getting ready to leave the team um and they start talking about daisy and he's kind of like i don't have anything to offer daisy i realize that now um and mac is like is anybody gonna go talk to her and colson's like um we have security protocols in place and mac's like no fuck that and he runs off and he goes and talks to her and he actually goes inside the room not not just in the module and this scene is so good because she's like, you know, we're not partners anymore. And he's like, no, I forgive you. And she's like, I didn't ask you to do that. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I forgive you anyway. And he like goes to give her like to hug her. And she's like pushing him away and fighting it. And then she just like melts into his arms and it's like sobbing. And she's like, I don't deserve this. And he's just, just holding her. And it's so sweet. Like he's he's, he's the best friend. I know. Oh, it's like. We talked a lot about about their friendship, but like he's just the best friend. Period on that show. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Like he's just the best big brother, the best dad, the best friend. Like he's just the best person ever. Um, and so Fitz and Gemma are in the lab, kind of working out um a way to um uh I forget what they're doing. They're working out a way to do something, something with the warhead, I'm sure, <laughs> or like with the Inhumans. There's oh, they're working out a way back um and Gemma is trying to book a trip for the two of them and um Fitz is like you're trying to do something romantic you're not romantic like what are you doing and she's like you know a little you know like we have Hive in custody like we're still figuring out how to like you know everything's pretty calm right now like we could go and you know a little fun wouldn't kill us um and she has this line of like, I'm going to do something that'll like knock your socks off or something like that. And Fitz gets all like flustered because he's thinking of it as something else. And she's like, yeah, we're going to go snorkeling. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Simon's just proved this point. You are not romantic. Um, and Fitz uh, sees uh, the crucifix, Yo-Yo's crucifix on, I don't know if it's a chair or something. And he picks it up and he's like, oh, um, I think this is Yo-Yo's. And he's like, I'm going to go give it to her. And he puts it in pocket so here we are with the crucifix hot potato again um why <laughs> i know god not again um mac and daisy are in her room just hanging out and um she's like so you met the devil and he's like i don't think he's the devil and he starts quoting like aristotle and daisy's like that's not the bible and he's like oh i, I can you know i contain i contain multitudes <laughs> um and she's like, he cannot be contained. Talking about Hive, he has to be destroyed. And he's like, you know, the other thing about the devil is that um, he fills a person with dark thoughts, so many dark thoughts it consumes them. And it's up to that person to let the light shine through and vanquish the darkness. Um, and then Max, like, Stacey's like, yeah, but I, you know, it's not good. And he's like, we're taking precautions, like Colson's sealing up the base. And so um, Colson's in his office, and we see, like, <laughs> The signal that the base is being locked up is his window is like having this thing closed down on it. So that's going to stop everybody from getting in or out. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Fitz goes down to the hangar to check on the gel matrix um, just to make sure everything's, you know, 
okay with Hive. And the hangar door is still not closed because the parts were delayed. And um, Fitz is talking to another agent about this. I forget his name, O'Brien or something, something white. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> something white mannish. I believe, I believe it is O'Brien. Yeah, something like that. And then he um, looks at the parts that have come in because they're all wrapped up in plastic and like separated from everything else. And he sees that they are from Absolution, Montana. Um, and the boxes explode and they're full of Terrigen or whatever the things that um, Radcliffe made, the the substance that Radcliffe made. It's not Terrigen anymore. It's something else, whatever. Right a virus or whatever and o'brien turns into a primitive and fitz is locked in the hangar with him because the base has been shut down which okay why would they lock fitz out while they shut down the base like wouldn't they wait till he came back or like i don't understand or like why also did they lock hive out of the rest of the base like he's still in the hangar i'm very confused about this timeline um this doesn't seem very logical um so fitz is locked in and he's like yelling at the camera and they're talking like the rest of the team is like talking back at him and he's like trying to talk them through like how to unlock the doors and all these you know all these other like agents and people that are in the hangar are turning into these primitives and are like coming to attack him and they're trying to fight him off him and the other people that are still standing and Gemma's like Fitz do you remember Professor Vaughn's third year compiler theory and he's like yeah do it you can remember you got it and so Gemma does it and unlocks the door somehow and um Fitz only manages to save one dude besides him like he he bashes one of the primitives in the head with a with a fire extinguisher and they make it in barely um and Coulson looks at Gemma he's like what the hell is Professor Vaughn's third year compiler theory and she's like it's complicated and just walks away <laughs> this is like goes back to the point of this show like not being super keen on all the like specifics except very randomly like sometimes we'll have those moments and this just like really highlights that where it's like what the fuck are you talking about and she just like completely dismisses it and it's like it doesn't matter because <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> um and um, suddenly all the primitives that are in the hangar go to the gel matrix and they start banging on it and they get Hive out and he's he wakes up and he's standing there and he's a fucking asshole and he's pissed. And um, apparently uh, Daisy told Hive all about the high altitude capabilities that the Zephyr has now. And um, Mac is like, oh, shit. So he runs upstairs and they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And Daisy's like, I got to do something. She has that look in her face. And so she puts herself in the containment module and puts herself in the Zephyr. And Hive is kind of like walking onto the... Um, onto the Zephyr and he's kind of still having trouble with his memories and Daisy pops out and is like what did you do to me and he's like I feel like I know your name it's like something pretty a flower and she gets on her knees and she's like crying and she's like please take me back which oh my god I do not remember any of this no I had forgotten <laughs> that too and I kind of had a feeling that it would be like I'm not gonna use the word triggering is it's not the right word but like they would have an, uh, an i feel like it, allegory well, no, no, well no i just felt like it would have an Im immediate effect on on you <laughs> like and i knew mm. it on me as well like just be like as viewers that really really don't like their relationship the old the old one or yes. this new version or whatever like it was just like oh, oh. no and like who have any anyone who has any experience whether directly or indirectly related i think to abusive relationships too yep. i think because there is that that sort of it's not the same as an addict's relationship relationship to the substance they're addicted to at all but there is 
overlap, you know, and I feel there's like it, de- there's a lot of overlap all yeah, over the place. <laughs> and so it just feels extra gross, you know, Ugh. like because of that added connotation, like it would be just sad if it was just, if, if there was no history between them and it was a character that we cared about going to someone who had mind controlled them with a drug like power, like it'd be a sad thing. But as it is, it's like sad and extra just like complex and squicky and gross and yeah like, like they managed to do just as much like trauma and violation and gross stuff as something like game of thrones without showing it anything graphic or even implying anything graphic yeah. you know it's yeah. like it's all mental yeah it really is um because yeah she's like going back to this dude that like destroyed her almost tried to kill all her friends <laughs> like yeah and, and and who wears the face of a guy who also tried to kill all their friends and emotion. Yeah. Hell out of her. It's the worst. <laughs> it is the worst. I didn't even think about that part of it, but yeah, I was thinking more about like the, the addiction stuff, but fuck, that is awful. Poor Daisy. Yeah, just it, like I just had a, a visceral kind of reaction, like my stomach turned when she oh, said yeah. that. I, I, like, I, I, and I just felt sad. <laughs> I, w- I think I was too surprised to feel anything, but like, no, like what is happening? And then I just like went right into the next episode because I was like, uh, okay, I'm here. May as well watch. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, it picks up right where this episode left off. So literally like opens up and Hive is like still trying to remember her name and um, he tries to connect with her and he can't. And, which is kind of funny at first, but then he we realized that Lash made her immune to him. And so she's pissed now because she doesn't get to have what she wants and what she went down there for. And so she like quakes at him and starts beating the shit out of him. Um, and then we find out that Hive has infected 28 agents in the hangar um, and they're all running around and um, <laughs> <laughs> being being primitives. Um, and. You know, meanwhile, Daisy is fighting Hive um, and they're being crazy. And uh, the team asks Radcliffe what the primitives are capable of. And he's still like so embarrassed by them. But he mentioned, you know, he's like, okay, well, they have peak human strength, poor eyesight. They don't have thoughts of their own, like compelling thoughts of their own, but they do have the memories of the bodies that they possess. And so they're like, great. Like these are all shield agents. And then they they realize shield skills. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm, You guys are smart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Um, so they're in the vents. They like hear him, hear them in the vents. And then, so everybody runs off to their perspective, like, you know, tasks and Radcliffe just gets left in front of the lab and he's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Clearly not a part of the team, even though he's trying very hard to be trying to very hard to like, uh, fit in here. Um, Fitz and May are going into the hangar and, uh, oh, they go down first to, to Daisy's room. Cause they realize that something's wrong with the containment module. And then um, they realize that, oh, shit, she's like in the Zephyr. So they go, they climb up into the hangar um, and Daisy and and Hive are having this awesome fight. Oh, my God, this fight scene was so good. Um, and it's really satisfying to see her try to kick the shit out of him. The ward suit and Hive, like all of the all of the above. And she gets this knife and she quakes it into his chest and stabbing him over and over. And he just keeps talking. Like, nothing can kill this guy. So she quakes at him until he's broken in half. Like, he's, like, hanging forward. Like, she broke his spine. And he just, like, reassembles himself. (laughs) And then Guerra and JT show up in this, like, Hydra helicopter thing. 
And um, now they have the Zephyr and they put Daisy in the containment module and they load in the warhead and some of the primitives are going to stay behind to destroy the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they're going to go. And so they leave. (laughs) Um, And... Uh, Radcliffe joins Coulson and Lincoln um, and whatever they're doing. And then Mac and Yo-Yo go to the armory and a primitive jumps out as Mac is running towards the door and starts shooting at him. And it looks like Mac is getting shot, but Yo-Yo jumped in front of him to save him. And so she got shot instead. That's awful. Um, And I don't remember that either. (laughs) I don't remember any of this. (laughs) Um, And then Hive is slowly remembering how to fly the Zephyr. He's like, well, between Will and Grant Ward, I can do this, which is great. And so they leave and they head into upper orbit. And he says, we're ascending. So there's the title of this episode. Um, So everybody's being chased by the primitives. And so uh, everyone gets chased into the workshop. Gemma is separated. And then um, I don't know if it's Lincoln or Mac. They were like, "Okay, where's the rest of the team? May and Fitz are on the Zephyr. Uh, They snuck on there. And Gira sets the timer for the warhead for 31 minutes. Great. Uh, Yo-Yo is in really bad shape. And Mac is like, hey, electric company, can you turn on the lights? (laughs) It's a great line. Uh, It is a great line. Everyone's shitting on Lincoln. It's so great. Um, And they need a, a quick fix to essentially, like, stop the bleeding. And between Radcliffe and Lincoln, the two doctors, they're like, okay, like, we, we got to find something in this room. Like, um, and so Radcliffe picks up a blowtorch, or it's like a mini blowtorch, and they're going to cauterize her wounds with a torch. And so Lincoln has it in his hand. She's like, no, I want Mac to do it. And Mac is like, all right. And so he lights her up. <laughs> God. Um Gemma is hiding in in some room and the primitives are in the room with her and they're kind of walking around and she's staying hidden in this corner. They hear noises in the distance and they run off and then she stands up and is like looking around and she's in the boiler room and she realizes something about the heat and so she turns it up and I was confused but also this gets explained like really quickly after this. (laughs) I was like I don't understand what just happened. (laughs) No they don't they don't really give you any hint until the explanation which i'm okay with like it wasn't yeah. like a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a drawn out mystery arc in a show i'm totally with you because like it's like they sometimes they'd have a character even if they don't let you in on what they're thinking they they'd show something that but us see like where just a, like a little bit more of an acknowledgement where jim is like oh and yeah. runs over and does it but instead it's just like of course time yeah. to turn up the heat yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We got a fight. We got an invasion of monsters. What you want those guys sweaty, right? Well, what? Like, 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 so weird. No, it was. It, I, I totally get you. And they they do a great job of quickly addressing that sensation of I thought just happened. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? I did, I, I thought I missed something. So I was like, I put I'm confused in the notes just in case like you had some insight. But I'm glad that we're on the same page because I don't feel as bad. Um, so back in the little uh, workshop area radcliffe is looking at um the hand that uh, fits or the hand prototype that fits made for colson he's like is there a working model and colson's like yep right here and uh radcliffe's like totally geeking out about it it's kind of silly um Meanwhile, on the Zephyr, May and Fitz uh, start attacking the primitives and um, they go to Daisy and start to try to open up the containment module. And she's like, no, I need to stay in here for your safety. And Daisy's playing, you know, sad, depressed, addict, uh, abused girl. And May is just giving her this look like, really, this is what we're doing? <laughs> like, she just doesn't have time for this. Um 
And we go back to the workshop and Lincoln mentions that Yo-Yo is burning up and suggests that it could mean infection, which I rolled my eyes so hard because he's supposed to be this doctor. And it's like, yeah, she got a fever within 20 minutes, I'm sure. Like, also, you just burn the shit out of her skin. I'm sure she's in pain. I hate him so much. Anyway, <laughs> the worst. It <laughs> doesn't know shit. Um, and Mag is like, no, it's hot as hell in here. And then Radcliffe realizes that what Gemma figured out is that the primitives see through infrared. They see in the infrared spectrum. And so um, she cranked the heat up to like really hot, like well over like human body temperature so they can sneak around and walk around as they please. Um, And so Radcliffe like opens the door and walks into the hallway and there's a primitive standing there and it just walks past him as if he doesn't, it doesn't see him. And so his idea worked or his hunch, he calls it a scientific hunch (laughs) worked. And he runs off into the hallway and Coulson's like, we better follow him because he has no, no idea where he's going. That, that <laughs> moment made me laugh so hard. It made me really appreciate John Hanna, where he was like scientific hunch, like, where, where he was. At first, he was like trying to argue, but then he kind of copped to it. it's like, oh yeah, no, it's it is yeah. just a guess. But he's like, well, but it's not made up, you know. It's not- Mac is like, you want us to walk out there like with those people, like based on a hunch, and he's like, it's science. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Um. Back um, on the Zephyr, May and Daisy are having a conversation and um, Daisy's just really down on herself and she's like, you know, like, you don't know what it was like. And he like scooped out my brain and May's like, that's, they're not, or she's like something about her powers and May's like, I don't give a damn about your powers. They're not what made you an agent. I did. <laughs> no, that was a great line. Yeah, because it's very rare that May takes credit for like how good she is at stuff. And this is like her taking credit for like being a good mentor to Daisy and like why she's such a good agent. And it was it just felt really good to see a woman do that on TV. <laughs> Take credit for what she should get credit for. Um, And she asks, like, why would Andrew save you? Like, you know, you can stay in this box. Like, I don't care. Like, but those feelings are just going to stay there. Like, all you can do now is balance the scales. Um, And May starts to talk about her feelings. But before she can finish her sentence, Gara knocks her out. (laughs) And Fitz is standing or like kind of crouched there with the gun. And Gara takes the gun from him. And Fitz is just like, whoa, 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 please don't shoot me. And he's like, what we're thinking is bluffing that he has he put a weapon on the plane that will kill Gera. And Gera's like, show me. And so this is like, okay, okay. And he shoots him with a cloaked gun. And he's like, I told you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tried to tell you. <laughs> so Gera's dead. Uh, and he and Daisy grab May and they go into the lab and they lock themselves in there. And they disabled the containment module. And um they're basically like, okay, what do we do now? And, you know, they realize that it's getting cold. You know, Daisy is not only going through withdrawals, but the atmosphere is starting to thin out. And so um, they're like, what do we do? And May is like, this is kind of as far as we got. And in this moment, um, I don't think Fitz and Daisy are on good terms yet, but he gives her his jacket, which is really sweet. (laughs) But what does the jacket have in it? (laughs) The crucifix. (laughs) Of course, as you say, it's it is something that I think is is in character and is there because they are all friends even yeah. through everything. But it's absolutely part of this preposterous game of hot potato. I know six episodes ago. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Um. So the team that's on the playground gets into 
Colson's office and Gemma is already in there and she throws a knife at Colson as he walks in the door and she's like, oh, thank God it's you. And he's like, uh, thank God you missed. Um, and Gemma tries to explain like the heat thing and Radcliffe is like, oh, yeah, 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 we got it. I got it. I figured it out. Um, and he, she's just like rolls her eyes. <laughs> and Colson, um, they're like, now what do we do? And Colson's like, well, I have a way out. And so he pulls up his arm and his arm has like a little interface like a, a Radcliffe's secretary did. And Radcliffe's like all excited about it. And he's like, yeah, Fitz like was inspired by you. And so he's able to bring up a Quinjet um, to the office window. Um, but he's like, OK, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to get you guys to safety and I'm going to go after Hive alone. This is my mistake to fix. And everyone's like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, nope, this is an order. Um and uh, the, the Quinjet comes up, Mac breaks the window, and Radcliffe's like, I have to say, I really enjoy the way you do things. And there's this moment of Coulson, like the wind is coming in the window and blowing his hair, and it's like the shield music theme is like playing, and he just looks really triumphant and cool. <laughs> so it, it, really- <laughs> it felt like, it felt like uh, Radcliffe's recruitment. <laughs> yeah, it really did. <laughs> like He's like, hey... I want to join Shield. <laughs> I know uh, it was really cute, um, and it was just like a super Colson, like kind of cheesy Colson moment. But it was also like really like okay, like Colson's going to be the hero again. He's back to himself. Um, back on the Zephyr, Hive's memories are starting to come back, and so now he remembers like how to fly the Zephyr fully. And JT is he's like, hey, so when we let this thing explode, like everybody's going to look like these primitives, like even the ladies. <laughs> it's <just> like- <laughs> <laughs> if it weren't for the the clear comedy element, like I feel like he's a little problematic, but because of yeah. how they play him off as, because he's not, I mean, he's the butt <laughs> of the joke as yeah. much as anything. He's li- he's a likable butt of the joke, but if you see anything he's done at this point, and you're like, yeah, I'm supposed to think he's get he's on to something. Yeah, <laughs> and you're misreading things. Yeah, so <laughs> like I almost like like the laughter outweighed the cringe, but mm-hmm. it's very much one of those like <laughs> I feel like. He somehow could fit on like the office. I know. <laughs> like because everything out of his mouth makes me laugh, but also I'm like, ooh. <laughs> like yep. that's like that's the worst. Because his whole point, like his immediate follow-up, like 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 there's a there's not like a really an acknowledgement, not, not a dirty look or anything. There's just a moment of silence before he he follows up with like because we really are like we could still work on the formula after the initial <laughs> thing right like i like, don't have to make everybody and i this. what i love most about this is that hive just doesn't even acknowledge that he's there like he just completely ignores him because that's worthy of being ignored <laughs> like he's just being an idiot yeah it works both like to facilitate the silliness because like hive just doesn't have time to like do that or to kill him or whatever but like but it also just works like you said in, in story too because like whether it's because he's dumb or because he's got yeah. more important things to do, there's yeah. other things going on. Oh my god! And then right after this, a primitive brings in Gera's body, so that's on the table now. Like, okay, <laughs> not talking about the ladies anymore. And so uh, Hive tasks JT to go find Shield, and Coulson, meanwhile, is docking with the Zephyr. And Daisy looks in her pocket and she sees the crucifix, and she thinks she's going to sacrifice herself. She kind of has this moment of like. Oh, now I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Which hard. <laughs> Fucking hot potato. Um Hive goes upstairs and him and Colson have the standoff and Colson calls him a Ward reboot. <laughs> and Ward 
I mean, they're having this whole conversation. That was amazing. I know. I was loving it. He goes, he says a bunch of other stuff too, but that's like what really stood out to me was the word reboot. Um, And then Ward is like, you know, that or you brought me exactly what I need to defeat your team, your body. And Coulson's like, oh, (laughs) it's like very obvious that he didn't think of that. And we get to see the, I put fit fisto face, really the evil Kit Fisto face. We get to see like the full like Alvius face, um, which I was kept waiting to happen. And I'm glad it finally did. You know, yeah. I was starting to be like, did they make it and take yeah. a picture of it, but not <laughs> ever actually use it? Just do it from behind? Like, that can't be right. Yeah, I was totally like, well, I guess they just didn't yeah, know, I had ever really, use this. I gave up about halfway through, I feel like, this mm-hmm. episode. I was like, yeah, well, weird. Yeah, but he, <laughs> so he reveals himself and he's like, I'll just take your body and I'll go down there and be like, I defeated Alviat and blah, blah, blah. And Coulson's like, yeah, you really sound like me. And he's like, well, if I have your body in your mind, like I will. Um, and a good Coulson, point too. Yeah, which is a little scary and you're kind of like, no. And then um, Coulson's like, you know, your your plan would work, but um, the difference between the two of us, and he says like something like, oh, we're cut from the same cloth, Coulson. And he's like, well, the difference between the two of us is that when you give orders, your, um, your people have to follow them. It, 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 <laughs> meanwhile, I gave an order and my team did not listen. <laughs> And so they're on the Zephyr already. And he's a hologram. <laughs> and uh, Alvius gets very upset and he goes and he destroys it. But right before he cuts out, Colson's like, I've always wanted to do this. And he crouches down and does the help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> Such a nerd. Um, JT grabs Lincoln as they're like walking down the hallway and um you know, they have this like little battle and 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 um, Lincoln manages to push him away with, with lightning and May knocks him out. But before I, I guess before he like fully gets knocked out, a little fireball blows up at Lincoln. He tries to contain it with electricity, which. um, Why would you do that? <laughs> and so, he yeah, no, yeah, we, we talked about that briefly. It's like, what? <laughs> like when, when is yeah let's throw electricity at the fireball that sounds like a good idea i know what i'm gonna do <laughs> like no it's it makes no sense even with his like whatever solid electricity if it doesn't hurt anything and just works as telekinesis couldn't he just like bounced it like yeah. launched it away from him or something like yeah I don't get it. it doesn't make any sense yeah so anyway he gets really badly hurt and um daisy comes up to him and she's like lincoln i'm so sorry and then she's like she's like really sad she's like apologizing he's like it's okay i don't blame you like you know i know what was going on and she's kind of like you never came to see me (laughs) in my room and he's like you know i need i know that you you needed time to put yourself back together and it's cute because Fitz and Gemma you could see them walking away like holding each other to give them some privacy and damn Lincoln is breaking up with Daisy he's like I think we should like work on ourselves before we get back before we no, which work was, on each other <laughs> that that's the stuff I couldn't remember that that in spite of uh Luke Mitchell that in spite of Lincoln as a character, made me actually crack up. Like him yeah. saying that stuff as he's dying. <laughs> like, hey, like, wow. hey. <laughs> well, because I feel like I feel like he was trying to be funny, you know? Like yeah. he's like, hey, you know, make me to work on ourselves as he's dying. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, <laughs> if it was, it was a better like, actor. I feel like it, it could have been one of the best death scenes. I ever. know, but I was just like, damn, like <laughs> what is happening right now? um and then he's like i know why you went to him and daisy just goes quiet because he's like pulling the whole like 
trying to relate to her as an addict, but the acting is awful. So it just comes off really as like, I understand, like I've hit rock bottom, like I've done that. And it's just like, dude, like, I know you're dying. You're supposed to be dying right now, but come on, put a little more into it. Um, so, uh, Coulson has this plan to um, get the warhead on the Quinjet and fly it up through autopilot into the vacuum of space. And so it will explode out there and won't get into the atmosphere. Um, and Daisy is explaining this plan to Lincoln because they're off to the side and he sees that she's wearing the crucifix. And so he's like, why are you wearing that? Because he knows the, the, you know, the prophecy that Daisy saw, she told him. Um, and even though the Quinjet will be on autopilot, Daisy still wants to go because she's suicidal right now and she thinks she doesn't deserve to live, which is really sad. Um, and <laughs> so um, I forget who says it, but someone's like, okay, we got to go take out these, you know, these uh, uh, primitives. And Mac is like, I, I'm down for some combat. And May kind of looks at him like, you're down for some combat, like you. And he's like, well, now that I have this shotgun axe, and he pulls out a legit shotgun axe, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like not just like a knife or an axe taped to a shotgun. Yeah, he was like, I, I made this for a reason. Yeah, no, it was so great. Like the culmination. We've been waiting for this. Like we've gotten teases. We got the yep. invention of it before, but this is the actual implementation of the shotgun yeah. accesses thing. So good, so good. Um, and then they realize Daisy is gone, but they don't have time to react because the primitives are in the cargo bay. And damn, like this is like an all-out fight. Even Gemma is going, and she has like a crowbar, and she's smacking him in the face. And like, I, I find it funny that Mac didn't even really have to use the shotgun axe. He just shot one guy. And like, I don't think he chopped anyone. He just is like smacking him in the face with it because he's just so such a big man, <laughs> big strong man. Um. And so Daisy has left to, you know, go do her suicide mission. And um, Lincoln is like, I tried to stop her. But no, you didn't, dude. Um, and so she's quaking the warhead into the Quinjet, which maybe don't quake the warhead, Daisy. That's not a good idea. Just gentle. <laughs> and Hive has followed her in there. And uh, she's like, every inhuman has a purpose. And then she sees like a trail of blood on the floor and Lincoln is in the cockpit and he's like, cause, cause Hive is like, Oh, you know what, what's, what made you think that like this would stop me? Like I can just override the autopilot controls. And then Lincoln's like, well, I fried them. And he throws Daisy out of the plane with electricity. And he says, this is my purpose. And he, they fly up into the, into the atmosphere <laughs> in the Quinjet. And Daisy's very sad. Um, and Lincoln feels like he's the only one that could have fried the control. So Hive couldn't override them. And so this is, this is, was supposed to be him the whole time. And <laughs> it was, this, this is actually kind of a really sad scene. Cause Daisy's trying to talk to him on the radio and it's like, so awful to watch her just like in so much pain. But then Luke Mitchell is just like, so blah, like, ugh. And then at the very end, he's like, starts to say like, oh, this is the first time I said I love you. And then just cuts off. And Daisy's like, Lincoln, Lincoln. Um, and, and, uh, Luke or Luke, uh, Lincoln and Hive are like standing or sitting in the, the Quinjet and Hive has this poetic moment. He's like, um, or Lincoln's like, you know, you can try to connect with me, but it's not going to do anything. And I was like, no, I think we're sharing a different kind of connection. He's like, we're sharing the only thing that's eluded me ever death. Um, and, uh, back on the Zephyr, like 
Daisy's freaking out, like begging Coulson to do something to bring him back. And Coulson is just like, well, he wouldn't want us to. Like, we shouldn't go after him. And everyone just kind of gives up and is like, <laughs> we can't do anything. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fitz, again, spoilers for the future. Fitz is like, yeah, I mean, the Zephyr's not designed to maneuver in space. It's like they retrofit that thing to be ready for space in what appears to be about a two-hour period of time on the show. It's like it's not designed to maneuver in space. Yeah, zero pressure. You know, like I understand that it would absolutely operate differently in space, but if it can withstand being outside of the atmosphere, like what? Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. I know. I yeah. Again, it's not designed to maneuver in space. It's also not designed to take to take off the way it did the yeah. few episodes ago. It's <laughs> oh a freaking sci-fi thing. It sounds like BS to me. It sounds they like nobody don't. gives a crap about Lincoln. They just don't care. Also, I was thinking like, couldn't Lincoln like create like an electricity ball around him and like just plummet himself back into uh, to Earth? <laughs> I mean, yes, that thing is a do it is like a one size fits all superpower. Right. Theoretically, he could create a giant electric hand that just takes the the ship gently back down to earth <laughs> takes the warhead out and hive first and then gently lowers the ship out down flings oh it towards God. the side well none of this matters because uh daisy is like he's dying for like the sins that i committed and Coulson's uh, like, no he's dying for all of our sins so they have now made lincoln inhuman jesus i was gonna say he has communicable martyr disease <laughs> like he uh, then transfers it to colson it's like no this is my bad no i'm the one who messed up the most god everybody is just like blaming every it's just a big blame fest like everybody's blaming them for everything but god so lincoln is in human jesus and actually so this is like you know really sad like daisy is very like upset about this but um i just don't like that lincoln was made into a martyr (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) um and it's weird like him and hive are having this and like oh you know earth it's so small and um, Hive says something like, you would sacrifice for them, even though, you know, with all their flaws. And Lincoln's like, they're only human. Yeah, no. <laughs> they, like, 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 every if this chance. Was any other character, we would be like bawling our eyes out so upset. Like, this is awful. I can't believe this is happening. But because it's him, we're just like, okay. <laughs> no, instead, it feels like it's, I don't even know. I feel like he's looking at the camera. <laughs> like, he's not. I feel. He says uh, yeah. that. It's like they're only human. Get it? Because we're not. <laughs> we're inhuman. So awful. <laughs> so we have inhuman Jesus and we have Hydra Jesus together at the end. <laughs> Great. Um, and then we have this really abrupt transition to six months later, and there's like these newspaper headlines, and Quake is on the loose. She's robbed a bank, and blah blah blah. And Coulson is doing a stakeout. He's like looking outside this like apartment window, like into a park, like with some binoculars. And Mac is with him, and they're looking for her. And Robin and her mom are sitting on a bench, and Daisy goes to them, and apparently she stole all this money so they could relocate. And she looks very like punk rock goth girl, <laughs> like oh, so much so, black like, like- hair, like. Like somebody googled punk punk rock God yeah i was like yep that's it uh, no search no further we got yeah her. i was like "Ooh, <laughs> this is this is a look um and she gives robin the wooden robin that her father made and um 
then she leaves and shield goes in to get her um daisy walks down this alley and apparently she's learned how to do like a superhero jump with her power so she jumps up onto the roof and disappears and colson's like yeah you can try and go get her but you won't find her and he's like gotta call the director and let him know so colson isn't the director anymore which i forgot happened even though i didn't really forget but i kind of did um and him and Matt go off together with their sunglasses and look like agents. <laughs> in the very end scene, Dr. Radcliffe is in his office and he's pouring himself some scotch and he's chatting with his little, his, you know, AI computer and he's celebrating and something pulls up on the screen and I saw like he's, he talks about how it's an old shield program and it says LMD on the screen, which I'm very excited that I recognize because of you. <laughs> and so they're celebrating that he's made this, this AI a body. And that's the end. <laughs> we just see like the silhouette of a body. No, I believe, I don't think I got into details about the comics connections for the, for the oh, LMDs, yeah. uh, which I'll do uh, probably, probably our next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did mention them. When we talked about the speculation surrounding the Koenig brothers, I believe. Yes. Uh, you, for, did. <laughs> uh, you did. Um, oh, I forgot to let you talk about the primitives. Well, that's our, that's our, <laughs> like, our oh, oh, no worries. I, I kind of figured that we should just go with the flow uh, since it's a double length episode and whatnot. Um, the, the primitives are based on something that's similar, but not. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, I mean, it's connected to the Inhumans. It's a slave race. It's pretty gross. They're called the alpha primitives instead of just the primitives. Mm -hmm. uh, still pretty gross in either way. Yeah. When you think about when they were created and everything, it's not as bad, but it's not good. Mm -hmm. But basically the idea is like some number of uh, like hundreds of years ago or whatnot um, that, oh no, there it is, 4,000 years ago. I, I looked it up. A, in, <laughs> an inhuman geneticist named Avadar, uh, he convinced the genetic council, who are the people who like decided who gets to be terrogenicist and whatnot, uh, the people who would have ended up pissing off uh, JT <laughs> because they didn't choose him and, and, and who convinced Lincoln that everyone's got a purpose or whatever. Uh, one of them was like, Hey, you know how we all have jobs. You know how people don't like service jobs. <laughs> like, no. nobody knows. He's like, he's like, it hasn't been written yet, but one day HG uh, Wells is going to write the time machine. <laughs> and basically he just does the, the whole bit from the time machine where there's the literally the secret, underclass who are literally underground and like work everything that works the actual engines to keep everything running and do all the jobs that are distasteful that no one wants to do and so they're these kind of neanderthal-esque uh, uh genetically engineered slaves who are referred to as the alpha primitives and, and like at some point later on they actually address how screwed up it is black bolt i think uh the king of the inhumans like ends up getting rid of them but uh they're they're genetically engineered, but they're also uh, if it, it was revealed at some point down the line that while he did genetically engineer them, it's based on a Cree method to create this kind of creature uh, mm -hmm. called Zero Genesis, but with, a, with an X instead of a, a Z. <laughs> uh, and the Zero Gen crystals make humans into these creatures, the same as in the mm -hmm. show. Yeah. So it's the, the this was zero gen basically was the MCU <laughs> version of it, uh, right. yeah, and it's and it's, the thing that created the zero gen crystals in the comics is literally called the slave engine created oh, by the no. Kree to use against <laughs> human en enemies. Uh, the concept of these these dudes um, 
it was what do you call it? Uh, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Introduced in Fantastic Four number forty-seven back in February of nineteen sixty-six. This cover day. So great. <laughs> quite some time ago, trying to make lemonade out of lemons. You know, trying try to make yeah. it as less problematic as possible. I don't really feel like. I mean, they're bad guys, so they're not like suggesting. Hey, it's a good thing we did this. So I, I, I don't know, but. You also don't have to use everything. You really don't. Like, you could have just, I don't know, you didn't have to call them that, first of all. Yeah, that, <laughs> that part in particular ain't great. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It was just inhuman slaves, yay. That's why I wrote that down so long ago. <laughs> it's related to this. <laughs> no, but you had a specific thing. I know, I did. I, 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 we'll never know. Lost, like, lost a lot of time. But that, it, oh, so I wrote down the Stargate thing because I was going to ask because you said it reminded you like the whole like um, the experimentation stuff reminded you of Stargate. Yeah. Um, do you think that was inspired by like the like the the comics? Like uh, Stargate? Yeah. Like, do you think Stargate was inspired by this stuff? I mean, maybe. I mean, because th- when you when you say that, I, I hadn't really thought about it before. But it's actually like really similar just in general. They didn't have to to the concept of the upcoming movie, uh, The Eternals, Mm -hmm. where the Celestials are the ones who inspired the Kree because they already did it once before. And they created the Eternals. That's what Thanos is a Titanian Eternal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the species of people who live on the moon of of, uh, of Saturn. Of course, that's a thing. (laughs) There's a bunch of people there. (laughs) Uh, But I'll like. I feel like uh, it's very similar in Stargate because the idea in Stargate was literally, I think the aliens possessed cave people and then oh. pretended to be their gods is, is I think what the concept was. So, so and, and maybe like an, an immortal thing, <laughs> but Eternals were basically like they, they genetically altered cave people who then posed as our gods or, or our God myths evolved yeah, came around from them. them. Yeah. yeah. Right. What, what, but and then because of because of integrating it into the Marvel universe, like like I think I mentioned before when we first talked about the announcements and whatnot, or maybe just another time we mentioned them briefly. But the the Eternals as a concept from Kirby like wasn't meant to be in the Marvel universe, and oh. in fact, like like they refer like there are college students who are engineers who like uh, are in one of the first story arcs or in the first. I mean, they weren't really. There were ongoing story elements, but everything was kind of done in, done in one issue. But they created a Hulk robot, but they were like inspired by the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like how uh, or Oregon's uh, mascot for Oregon University, Oregon State, is uh, the Ducks, which in their <laughs> symbol, they have a deal with Disney. It's just a drawing of Donald Duck dressed in one of their sweaters. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I think like like it might have even been a similar thing or just a proposed similar thing to like used the the hulk for a real college or it might have just been an idea in the comic that they were like that they were suggesting their their school mascot be the hulk <laughs> which is awesome I, I i do think though that like that there was a real that was based on a real thing but the hulk had the surprise readership in college students when it first came out like they were like we didn't realize college students were even reading comics, <laughs> much less like loved the hulk but um 
like in a, <laughs> when they integrated the Eternals into like the mainstream Marvel universe, they kind of had to make it a little bit of a mix of both, like where they inspire the legends. But mm-hmm. then again, there is a Thor and there is a Hercules. Yeah. So they inspired some of the legends, but they also kind of like maybe impersonated these people. Right, <laughs> like right. it's, it's an, One of them is named Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. Based on a biblical character uh, mm-hmm. named Gilgamesh, yes, a <laughs> uh, uh, biblical era, uh, but he's called in the comics the Forgotten One. And one of his whole things is like literally everyone forgets that he exists when he's not <laughs> when he's not around. You forget who he is. So like tons of stuff that are like attributed to Hercules, like like, like something like a third of his labors done by Gilgamesh or whatever. Like, like, <laughs> he just never like, gets credit. Yeah, yeah. He, he does a bunch of stuff. And, like His superpower is he doesn't get credit for the hard work he does, which is Everybody. amazing. No, yeah. it's awesome. I kind of can't wait to see who plays Gilgamesh in the movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who that should be. <laughs> like, like who's who's like the hard workingest actor who doesn't get who doesn't credit. doesn't get any credit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't realize that it that wasn't intended to be part of the Marvel universe. Um, yeah, well, and it wasn't explicitly, but yeah. uh, if you go back and read that stuff and read about Kirby at the time, like I think it was them, it was them trying to get him back after he'd gone to DC initially, I believe. Right. Uh, so it was them kind of like saying, "Oh, we'll let you do your own thing." It was the same thing the uh, Ava DuVernay upcoming New Gods uh, thing, which has been really right. important to DC for years and years. It wasn't supposed to be involved in this universe either. It's supposed to be its own thing. But like, like, but like, even though he created the Marvel universe with with the uh, with Stan, mm-hmm. when he went to DC, other than, well, like, it's weird. Like, like, like I, I, I'm sort of misspeaking because while the New Gods and all that stuff was conceived as being separate from the beginning of implementing it, by the time he actually sat down to like get it done. DC had already like convinced him you have to make it part of our world because one of the one of the titles uh, was Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> it was basically like I don't want to write Batman, I don't want to write Superman, I don't want to write Wonder Woman, I want to write Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> so, like, which I, okay. I, I love, I love him so much. Like, he's such a yeah. weirdo. But it was yeah. him with the Forever People, which were like super hippie teenage new gods who like. I have like one of them is named Big Bear, who's just a giant furry red red haired dude, and like he's basically <laughs> uh, what's his name um, from Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, um, oh my god, what uh, is his name? Giant Spain. Yeah, Tormund, right? Tormund, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's basically that guy, but like in, in Viking and like all these other. I think yeah, yeah. I think one of them was uh, they were rather pro- progressive at the time because uh, uh, one of their main characters was a non-stereotypical black gentleman uh, whose name was a Viking, I believe. And like their power, they all merge together and become one crazy guy called the forever man, I think, which is like, again, part of, I, I think a little bit of the hippy dippy stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hey man, let's all be one <laughs> and we'll merge our minds. And, uh, but no, Jack, Jack Kirby was an interesting, weird dude. And, uh, a lot of his ideas, I think he didn't want to be constrained by, uh, t- especially towards like the middle and then second half of his career. He 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 didn't want to be constrained by whatever DC or Marvel were doing and kind of wanted him to do. But he also always had to play ball and knew how to. <laughs> yeah. In the um, end, his his all his last stuff was published by Topps Trading Card Company, which, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. He, then, he, then, then he passed away. <laughs> I never really got time. And uh, yeah. at the top of his game. <laughs> hey, hey, man, if he had a chance to live, maybe Topps Trading Card Company's uh, Topps Comics might still be around today because of, of his characters. I just probably realized I made, a, I made a probably pun not. there. Top of his game. Top Nice. Uh, the, you, you, you meant that with two Ps. <laughs> yes, yes, he did, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. Can't believe we got through three seasons and Ward. He's kind of gone. <laughs> he's mostly, he's almost totally gone. Um, I'm realizing that, like, I thought I really loved season three. I didn't like it as much as I remembered. Like, there are definitely parts of it that were very powerful. And I like, like, elements that we get, like, Mac and Yo-Yo and... Um, I don't know. Uh, where did Joey go? He just disappeared, huh? Yeah, no, he totally disappeared. Okay, we, just we don't really, we don't really like, ever get a whole lot of explanation. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, we get Radcliffe, and I don't know. Um, but just like <sighs> Lincoln really ruined a lot for me, and then no, I really think that's most of it, right? Because even though the Ward stuff's uncomfortable, like bringing him back, they you they do it really well, mm-hmm. and like and. Radcliffe is cool. Uh, JT's funny, at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's all very entertaining, I think. And I do think that the real big weakest link is Luke Mitchell, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to blame it on xenophobia and not letting him be Australian for some reason. <laughs> oh, my God. Is this the last of our Australian, like, I, I feel like it's the last time it can, it can be super pertinent unless by some stroke of luck uh we have like, another uh, random uh, australian uh, somewhere gabriel, gabriel luna turns out <laughs> Aaron, like, oh <laughs> I, mean, I would be so happy that reminds me so um let me find turns speaking out of from australia it's like give us another year <laughs> worth another season no um <laughs> So I was on Instagram the other day and I follow Elizabeth Henstridge and um, she had um, a post. It was like a blurry post of her and some friends and Luke Mitchell commented on it. And I was like, why is he commenting on this? They must still be friends. And so apparently, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I looked, I went down, I looked through his entire Instagram profile. <laughs> Because I was being crazy. And um, he's just so mediocre. But he's also <laughs> married to one of um, uh, Elizabeth Henstridge's friends. Uh, so they like, appar- apparently they like hang out. Run in the, the same circles. Yeah, which made me very sad. So, But I guess, you know, <laughs> I just like the last episode we posted when, when, we, re- when we were recording. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about how much we love that uh, that the guy who plays Deke, yeah, Jeff that, Ward, yeah, 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 Jeff Ward is is such great friends with Daisy in real life, yeah. uh, with Chloe, yeah, yeah, and I feel like how funny is it that you have the exact opposite <laughs> reaction <laughs> to, oh, no. to the Luke Mitchell being friends? You're like, nah, hmm. Something's not right about that. <laughs> I know. Also, I didn't realize that the sh- one of the shows that he was on was with Jamie Alexander, um, who is a, um, what's his name? The guy from uh, The Rapist Dude, who was accused of rape. Which guy? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> she, she 
sexual assailant apologist, essentially, Jamie Alexander. She plays what's her name? Um uh Lady Sif. She's an apologist for one of the guys? Yes, what is his name? <sighs> Chris Hardwick. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> gross. Yeah, she defended Chris Hardwick for all his shit, and that just made me really upset. And so I was kind of like, well, I'm kind of glad Lady Sif is not back in the Thor universe for a while. But then her and Luke Mitchell are on a show or were on a show together, Blind Spot. Oh, yeah. In my effort to find out about what Luke Mitchell was doing, I'm finding out that I believe, as I've mentioned a few times, that his current character on Chicago, Fire, PD, Ambulances, whatever. <laughs> I, th- I believe he's on one of those. It might he might not even be on one of those. It might be a different. It might be oh like might be like the service or he he plays he plays some someone who is like a basically a member of the village people. Some a community <laughs> member could be an ambulance driver, could be a cop, could be a, a medical professional, or uh, I'm not sure. But he does something that helps the community, and he plays a character na- whose last name is Abraham. Yes, and goes by Abe. <laughs> I love that he played. Uh, that he played Lincoln and Abraham. He's not even American. Like what the <laughs> fuck? And, and they're, they're they're backwards. I His know. Character wasn't Lincoln didn't Abraham. have the last name Lincoln and didn't have didn't have the last name, <laughs> didn't have the first name Abraham. Oh but the fact and the fact, like I gotta say. I don't think that happens a whole lot in real life. I'm sure it does more than I realize, but like, I don't know anyone <laughs> who goes by. <laughs> I just don't know anyone who like whose last name is Michael, who goes by Mike. Yeah, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not saying it's never happens. I bet it happens more with like people who uh, play sports and whatnot, because I do know <laughs> that, that, that playing, hanging out with people who do that is the most I've ever been called Jonesy. And it happens almost without fail, <laughs> like, which I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not upset about. I'm just noting it. So maybe it's a similar thing, but I just um, don't find, I don't believe anyone with the last name Abraham has ever or ever will go by Abe. <laughs> I know. That just, it's not. It's too cute. So the reason I brought up Luke Mitchell's Instagram is that he, so I went way, I went all the way back to like 2015, to like when they were filming this season. <laughs> looking at his photos because i'm a creepy stalker like that i i hate stalk people um and he was used to take all these photos of ming na taking naps like sitting in her chair like he would like take a selfie and ming na's like asleep in the background like Like trying to be funny or whatever yeah like he's trying to be funny yeah so there's like at least like four photos where she's just like asleep sitting up and then it's like one of them is the scene where she's like in the hospital bed um they're like on set. She's like in the hospital bed from this season and she's asleep. And it's like, dude, like leave her alone. <laughs> like, uh, it just made me upset. I'm sure like Ming was fine with it, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I didn't like it. <laughs> like, because they probably like, like, like him being friends with Elizabeth Henstridge. Like they probably are, if they're not friends, they're at least work acquaintances. They yeah. probably get along. It probably wasn't anything like a violation or whatever, but we don't really love him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I get it. So yeah, I was upset. The fact I'm like, stop taking pictures of Ming Na when she's vulnerable and sleeping. <laughs> uh, anyway, that concludes our hate on Luke Mitchell and Lincoln. Hopefully, for the last time, we won't ever have to talk about him again. Although I'm sure we will. Something will come up. I'm <laughs> sure <laughs> it's season four. Oh, I put a note in the notes. <laughs> put a note in the notes. Um. So when I was reading the the Wikipedia, that whole like radio scene between um, 
Lincoln and Daisy was not an intentional homage to Captain America, like the scene between Cap and um, uh, Peggy Carter. Mm -hmm. Um, But quote, the crew independently decided to use that scenario because there's something heartbreaking about not being able to be face to face with the person. So they are emotional terrorists on purpose, not just trying to <laughs> like respectfully like um you know refer back to an MCU film, but just, They're just to trying to make us feel mean. bad. Like, yeah. We feel bad. Yeah. So anyway, that's the end of season three. Um are we going to be taking a no, this episode will come out after we, Thanksgiving, correct? I believe it will. So, I, okay. yeah, I think I think we are not going to be taking a break, but we won't have anything extra. I know some holidays in the past, we put out two episodes. We had something special, but uh, it'll just be our regular release date. We'll be taking a recording break, but I think our release schedule should maintain. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, well, never mind, listener. <laughs> <laughs> you won't you won't notice anything different um do you have any concluding thoughts about season three where we wrap it up i mean i feel like you kind of nailed it where like i had fonder memories i think because it's the one where i got really into it and i think because the strength of the stuff with not mike the astronaut and uh Gemma's, uh you know mission there adventure that, there at the beginning that of the stuff season. was really good the beginning of the season was really well done. there was not a lot of lincoln yeah, when Lincoln was on the run. Things were things were pretty good. Yeah, things were looking up. Yeah. <laughs> no. Honestly, yeah, but honestly, like, like even every episode that had Lincoln in it, like was they had their all the weak points were Lincoln. Every the rest of the episode was pretty strong. But this these two episodes just happened to be very Lincoln heavy because it turned into Inhuman Jesus. So we had to say goodbye. <laughs> I guess. Uh, in a anyway. stupid, in a stupid uh, contagious martyrism. I know. So annoying. Anyway, where can the good people find you? <laughs> good people can find me at I Snow Nothing on Twitter, where by the time this comes out, I'm sorry, but if people are still upset about Mandalorian spoilers, it's like, this will be my last uh, slight diver- uh, diversion, but at what point does it become ironic but you're like you're being selfish because everyone else in the world won't stop to wait to talk about something until i've seen it (laughs) what's really the egotistical thing the one that refuses to to change with the times i don't really like the fact that it's the way it is but it is the way it is and if everywhere i look it's going to be in my face i'm not going to avoid it because a few people are precious about it especially when we have things like muting terms and i will agree that people who just post post an image of a spoiler the day it yeah. comes out with no text no no way to no mute hashtag, it those people yeah. are jerks yeah. i agree let's let's you know as a digital community let's mock those guys and tell them they're jerks but if you can't handle a spoiler when the people who make it are spoiling or are, are, yeah. are posting it yeah. then then you, i don't know i don't know what to tell you <laughs> but but it, your problem is with the culture and it's not changing and yeah. it is just an old man shaking their fist at a cloud you know in their yard because they don't want it to be cloudy anymore 
Also, all the people complaining that we're calling Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> Screw <laughs> like, them. Like, like, it's like, Baby Yoda. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, the one the one of those that got the most traction that had a ton of like likes and uh, not as many retweets, but a lot of likes. And the people were mostly in my timeline. I saw people quote tweeting it and just destroying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I think it was like the third comment down when I clicked on it just said, literally, no one thinks it's actually Yoda. <laughs> and there was like, <laughs> Right, like, 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 like no this, one. Your complaint is non-existent. The only people who could possibly think it's actually Yoda don't care about this and aren't part of the conversation. They're just like, "Oh, cool, maybe Yoda," and they move on. Oh my god! Speaking of, I just opened up Twitter because I wanted to try to find that photo <laughs> that of him like reaching up to try to touch the Mandalorian because it's so cute to heal him. And this tweet popped up, uh, and it's by at Blackout Cause, um, and it's quote um it's not yoda we don't know the species is called what the species is called because it hasn't been revealed to us which is exactly why we are calling it baby yoda and not baby thing we don't know the name of but is the same as yoda you boring fucking walnut <laughs> <laughs> the conclusion is maybe the best i know i was just like oh that's very pertinent um yeah it's ridiculous anyway baby yoda is adorable uh we must protect at all costs we will, we will all die for him or her. <laughs> yeah, if it's a clone of Yoda, which is also possible, then it's, I guess I guess it's a him technically with that clones would work. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, it also could be Yoda's so kid, cute. but they just want to clone, you know? Because so that's my cute. It's my, personally, my current uh, Yoda theory, uh, baby Yoda theory, is that Yoda and Yaddle had a toward love affair. And <laughs> that baby has been in hiding uh, to be raised in secrecy and in safety. And uh, the, the reason why the Camino and uh, cloner wants it is because someone found out about it and they're like, hey, we want a super powerful force baby that could be used and duplicated and sold to the highest bidder. That only takes like hundreds of years to come to full maturity. That seems like a not a great. Well, I guess the Kaminoan cloner could make an accelerated version as they yeah, do the, the, the clone. The, the, so. the Mandos. Right. Although, although <laughs> then again, even if it's double speed. <laughs> yeah, it's still a really long ass time. It's like 500 years yeah. instead of 1,000. It's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, it takes uh, it's, oh uh, 25 years to get them to walk in toddlers. Like, I know. Like, also, I want to know, like because he is walking around and stuff, like, because of those milestones, like he could also be right at the cusp or just into speech as well. So um, I, I totally think that he can speak. I mean, I think he it's, fully I think understands it's, what's going on. Like true, he's a, you know. I, I feel like I feel like it's it, it could go either way. Like he could yeah. be he could be baby baby talking. Could be talking. Uh, I can't wait though. I know. They, they they totally sold me. Uh, like and literally it was like at the very last minute of the pilot. Like like the whole time I'm like this is fun. Like, yeah, oh, Favreau and Filoni did a good job. This is very Filoni. Like, yeah. it feels like a love letter to samurai movies and westerns, which is exactly what Clone Wars felt like. And I felt like the influence of Favreau evened out some of Filoni's Filoniness, yeah. yeah. just like George Lucas used to. I'm like, hey, this yeah. might, have, might, might have been a good pairing. This is very fun. Not my favorite thing, but it's okay. I mean, that yeah. baby showed up, and I'm like, all right, God. damn it. <laughs> First you get Taika in, and then you give, give me a baby. Like, all right, I'm sold. Fine. I know. And then I, the whole second episode is like, uh, what's the comic that the uh, wolf? Oh, yeah. Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. Uh, it, it, an old <laughs> manga from uh, 19, I think, 70 originally. Yeah. It's uh, uh, like been adapted a million times. I think it's based on folklore and tradition and, and you know, and plays and, and I like just the ideas of 
of a ronin of a samurai without a master who's got to take care of his child after a war or whatever because he's he's yeah. left uh, you know uh, a, a widow or a widower and so yeah. it's this guy who's got no mission and no job anymore and just has to go wander the countryside and help people and has a baby strapped to his chest and it's a very <laughs> very similar vibe for sure and like yeah. it, it it was made into like i think six a series of six very successful low budget samurai movies yeah. in japan and then i think maybe the first three several of them were adapted and edited down into one movie for american audiences when they originally introduced it yeah. uh as i believe it was called shogun assassin i think it's funny, but yeah, I I think I think it's really ironic that this is like totally like the dude bro Mandalorian movie like should have been, and it's totally not. <laughs> it's like it's essentially about a single dad like traipsing around the galaxy. What I love though is it's like it is it feels just like something George would have done though back in the day know, because it, really it is does. directly adapting like. It feels like uh, you know a samurai story. Which, mm-hmm. what, I mean, A New Hope is. Hidden Fortress, like it's his whole thing. Is he loved? He loved samurai stories and westerns, and wanted to mash them up. And half of our best western movies were direct ripoffs or tributes or homages or mixtures of those things of samurai films. (laughs) Any anyway, like so, I don't know. Um, I can't believe that they pulled it off as well as they have. Like like, I'm, I'm an outlier because I don't like Iron Man as much most people i know like, like like and so i find that i'm i have weird favreau tastes everyone's like oh when they first announced it people were like i'm so happy that john favreau's on because of iron man i'm like i'm so happy that john favreau's on because of elf <laughs> elf is great and like literally people responded to my tweet about that when this announcement first came i remember be like you know he directed iron man right i'm like yeah i know like i'm yeah. excited because of elf and chef because those movies are great <laughs> one syllable yeah. one syllable movies that end in f <laughs> those are the only movies that i trust from john favreau it's a very specific genre but he nails it every time no and they're very sentimental and about father and son relationships oh hey that. what's this guy really good at <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that i think we should talk about really quick is his dark materials um, oh my god so good right which if you haven't watched it i guess we probably shouldn't spoil anything because maybe people haven't read the books either but it's so well done like everybody is so well cast it's it's a much faster pace it's much faster paced than the books um they get into it like right away but it's so good and i'm so glad there's a second season being filmed and potentially a third because the the movie well the second the second season is being edited they shot it back to back they're already done they did it because they don't want daphne Keene to age out of the role no, and it's so smart. Like, like yeah. they're avoiding the mistakes, I think, of a Game of Thrones or a Rome or what. Yeah. Because like, the last big BBC HBO co-production was also with Television Italia, and it was Rome. Yeah. It was great. But they did have to recast an important character because it's like when you take a year and a half off between yeah. those shows, Kids it takes forever. Quick. Yeah. Um, I heard, too, that there's no season three officially, like – in the works for like filming or anything like that, but they're talking about making the third book into two seasons. So we will will potentially have four seasons. Man, I really hope they do it. And (laughs) it feels like, it feels like they will, if, if it's continues to get the buzz it has been getting and both it and Watchmen, I feel like have lived up to what HBO wanted it to be. Like, I I think they've got one game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. They've got one game of Thrones prequel out of like, 
four ideas they've looked at yeah. that what's actually being made one that they fill in the pilot for and they end up not deciding to do it's like i think they can drop they can drop it now yeah. <laughs> they yeah. got Westworld, which is not the same because it takes so long to do and it's yeah. shorter seasons and everything that it is i mean we both love it but i also i understand why it can't ever be the same thing yeah. it's like hey the thing that is about uh, the thing that they have in common is that they're adult and sexy, but Westworld is smart, way smarter than Game of Thrones will ever be. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, they actually have things to say. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, like, well, and honestly, like, like Game of Thrones, the books had some commentary, but it was still very like misogynistic and rapey and like all kinds of things. Like, we could go off about those dudes, but. <sighs> And his Dark Materials is also one of those things where the source material has a lot to say about it's religion, society. Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, it was like a, a forbidden book to read in like evangelical circles for so long. I wasn't able to read it until I was in high school because well, and, I like, and, couldn't get a hold of it. <laughs> and the film was supposed to be a franchise. It was supposed to be like oh, three yeah, or but four it, movies. Well, the thing is, like it was geared towards children when these books are not written like as for children as the intended audience. It's a very like adult um well like and prose the prose is very adult it was so. one too that i think that it was destined to fail because it, it like i i enjoyed that movie a lot and it wasn't a show by any means because like you said but i almost feel like it's a it, them focusing on children in part is to try to make harry potter money and that's the real yeah. reason why they yeah. did it but i feel like it's side, natural side effect sort of in having to abbreviate everything for films versus mm -hmm. television having less time to flesh out each story yeah. I, and and by simplifying it it kind of lends itself to oh you you're going to have to cut out some stuff everything. anyway might as yeah. well make it kind of accessible but yeah. even though they did they didn't cut out concepts but you know i, I know they had to pare it down to make it shorter mm -hmm. and to make it make it more accessible but even doing all that it was this it was the one movie i think at the time that had the biggest effort put forth both in terms of numbers and money from the one million moms group which is largely made up of non-moms i would point <laughs> out of uh, hyper conservative rich yeah. uh, men but yeah. uh it was basically like this thing's blasphemous because yeah. like but guess what the made-up fake church allegory in that it's like we don't even live in a theocracy dude what, what are you talking about? The Catholic Church doesn't tell me to do anything. It, this isn't about the Catholic Church. It's about the ruling class. It's about super rich people, which, yeah. yes, include the Pope. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but he's not the big problem right now. I know. I like, know. Well, there's uh, in, in the in the later books, there's like even more commentary on like the whole like Adam and Eve thing and like more direct religious. And, stuff. Oh yeah. Like there's a lot of symbolism that happens later on where it's like, okay, that's a little that, you know, like I could see why people in religious circles would consider it blasphemous. Right. And so, but, and also the author was considered like the anti C.S. Lewis. So it's like a whole thing. <laughs> I know. What's but funny anyway. is how many atheists and, and just like not religious people, even if they are, not atheist uh i know who love c.s lewis and i like i like a lot of that stuff for sure mm -hmm. but at the same time like i don't understand how any adult can read that now or look at it now and not be like not just not not, not just is it transparent but like the lessons are wrong like oh a little kid likes candy oh yeah he's such a fucking indulgent little sinful shit he deserves <laughs> he deserves damnation he should never get into heaven. Yeah. Like it's... what? 
what the fuck are you talking? He's 11 and they tempted him with candy. He didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, like, like, what kind of pious asshole was C.S. Lewis? Like, hey, buddy, whatever's going on inside, it's okay to be happy. <laughs> I know. I know. It's okay to um, like candy. It's uh, which will lure you away with Turkish delight. Anyway, um, really good show. The weasels are so cute. <laughs> they, they are, man. Uh, they're adorable. Yeah, and on the same line of thinking or the same uh, of just promoting good stuff that maybe doesn't need promotion but is really excellent, Watchmen has been so yeah. good. And it's like uh, three of the four leads are women over 40, and two of those three are women of color. And it's awesome. <laughs> I need to watch that. I've been waiting I th- for I, th- I think to you'll dig it. Be around cuz he wanted to watch it. So maybe we'll start watching that tonight. They intr- they introduced the last of the first in the episode that just aired and it's a uh, Lady True who is this Vietnamese like 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 pandisciplinary like scientific genius and mm-hmm. like oh, like imagine that. And also <laughs> well, well uh but <laughs> it, it it's not done in super like stereotypical like, like yeah, her yeah. character is the protege of his character, Adrian Veidt from the movies, Ozymandias, who's played mm-hmm. by Jeremy Irons in the show. And was, I can't remember. It's played by some no name in the movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some blonde dude, some good looking blonde dude. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, it, and she kind of like took over his empire and whatnot, but, and also very much made it her own with this character, Lady True. And like, she is incredible. She's performed amazingly. Like, like the, the lead, the leads in the show, are all great and they're all like old which is kind of cool i mean not not all of them are old all of them are over yeah. 40 but like jeremy irons and gene smart yeah. they are old so it, it which i'm super into it yeah, <laughs> like, like, i love that yeah i love that so Alrighty. yeah i think did we do where people can find you or did we just totally lose track of everything oh, no not me yet um <laughs> <laughs> Directed as usual. Um, you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. I still have not checked the email. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should probably do that on my computer. Um, and uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, Podbean, and butwhythopodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.